1: Hey everyone, I'm Jean Chatsky. We are so happy that you're here with us today on Her Money. I am especially excited today because I've got a guest where I can actually say they are back by popular demand. That is 100% true for today's guest. He's here to join us for a special bonus mailbag edition. You know him, Ed Slott. He's a CPA, he's author of the book, The New Retirement Savings Time Bomb, and he has been named the best source of IRA advice by the Wall Street Journal. Of course, we completely agree with that statement. You may have heard him on our recent episodes, number 265, Everything You Need to Know About IRAs, and on Bonus Mailbag Number 26, The Ultimate Guide to IRAs. But here's what happened. After those episodes, you wrote in with more incredible IRA questions, and we wanted to make sure that we had a chance to tackle every single one because we know just how important it is for you to have a safe and secure retirement, and perhaps nobody knows that better than Ed himself. So, Ed, welcome. Thank you so much for coming back on with me today.
2: Well, it's great to be back on here. And so much interest in IRAs, I guess, you know, for lots of people... It's uh, maybe their largest single asset. So any move could be pretty important, especially in this area of the tax law. You know, these are among the most complex tax rules. And unfortunately, not only are they complex, but they're also unforgiving. You don't get a lot of second chances. They're very rigid rules. For example, a beneficiary, I just had a situation, beneficiary took money out, didn't realize the whole thing's taxable, the whole inheritance because you can't put it back in things like that, that are just irrevocable moves. So you have to get it right the first time. So it's great there shows like this that can do proactive planning before it hits the fan.
1: Right, and as you know, our listeners give us the most detailed information about their financial lives because they do wanna make sure that they get it right. And that is particularly the case with Allison, who wrote to us from Missouri and she says, Hi, I love the podcast, and I'm a weekly listener with Mailbag often being my favorite part to hear from the community and get advice at the same time. I was lucky enough to get a part-time job at American Century, then 20th Century through college, and that led me to an early focus on IRAs and retirement savings. My husband and I met as teachers, but I left teaching to stay home with our children years ago, and because of that, and now being small business owners in turbulent economic times, we've had to live fairly frugally. All investing we've done has been in our various IRAs. We do have about $94,000 in money markets for emergency savings and to help our three kids now ages 21, 20, and 16 with college costs. Neither of us are teachers now. We own two small businesses, one wholesale distribution company we've had for about 16 years, and in 2019, we opened a Mr. Handyman franchise. We started a simple IRA several years ago with the first business, continued it with the second, and add 5 to 10% each paycheck with a company match of 3%. Together, our income has typically varied between 100 and 120,000. In our retirement accounts, we have the following husband has a simple IRA balance of $56,000, a regular IRA with $121,000, and a Roth IRA with $114,000. I have a simple IRA with $26,000, a regular IRA with $320,000, and a Roth with $144,000. All told, That's about $783,000 saved for retirement. John will also get a teacher's pension of about $900 a month from his teaching years. And even though I work full-time in the businesses now, we do channel a greater portion of our current income to my husband as my years out of employment, my social security benefits will be greater drawing on his social security. My question is twofold. Currently, we aren't making the max contribution to our simples, and next year, we'll both be eligible for catch-up contributions. As we expect the franchise to continue to grow and next year we'll pay off a significant business loan, Woohoo! we are expecting our income to grow significantly. But, one, can we be too IRA-focused? I'm wondering if we should put more in our retirement accounts or just start investing outside of our IRAs. And two, would one or both of us be better served to put a percentage to the simple and get the match while also restarting contributions to a Roth to have more future tax-free money? What would we need to be aware of for Roth and simple limits or rules and taxes if we did that? Thank you. And Ed, before you launch into the answer to this question, can we explain to everybody what's the difference between a simple IRA and a traditional IRA or Roth?
2: All right. Traditional IRA, I think everybody knows is your own IRA. It's uh, subject to limitations. You can contribute $6,000 a year or if you're 50 or over, it sounds like she is about to hit 50 because she started talking about the catch up contributions. So that's another thousand. So you could do 7,000 in a traditional IRA. But the big difference is you get a deduction when you contribute to a traditional IRA. But a deduction, many people don't realize that If I told you a deduction is actually you're taking a loan from the government because you have to pay it all back. And then some at some point, even if you don't want to at 72, you're forced to go the other way and take it out. So you pay tax on the back end in retirement. And that's what I worry about with traditional IRAs and 401ks, any pre-tax money, even the simple IRAs are pre-tax. The simple IRA is a business plan, small business plan like they have and you can put more money in with the simple. She mentioned she's putting in, I don't know if she said she's putting in the max, but the max for 2021 with a simple is 13500 Plus you could do another 3000 She alluded to that when she hits 50. So you can put more money in, but again, you're putting more money into a pre-tax account, which means you're getting a tax benefit now, but you pay for it later. You know, it's just a timing difference. Whereas the raw of IRA, you can do a contribution. Same idea of a uh, six thousand contribution, seven thousand if you're fifty or over. But you do not get a tax deduction. But what you get for giving up a tax deduction is you get tax free accumulation for the rest of your life, and you never have to take that money out during your lifetime. There are no RMDs, required minimum distributions on your own Roth IRAs for your lifetime. There are when somebody inherits them, but that's beyond this. So let's parse
1: her question here. First question was, can she be too IRA focused? She's wondering if she should put more in their retirement accounts or just start investing outside of them. What do you say to that part of the question?
2: Well, all right. All of her money is pretty much in IRAs because a simple is an IRA, an IRA is an IRA, and even a Roth is considered in the family of IRAs, even though it's a different tax-free vehicle. But she has done a pretty good job of diversifying into the Roth. That money is the best money you can have because that money is growing tax-free forever for the rest of her life. And even after if she doesn't need it or her husband doesn't need it after their lives and go on 10 more years accumulating tax free for their children. So that's the best place money can be. If they can put more money there, of course, it costs money to put money in a Roth two ways you can put money in a Roth, do your contributions instead of the IRA to the Roth, but there are income limits. She said, I don't, did she say what her income was this year?
1: Together, their income is about 120,000 max. So they're under the limit for a Roth. So I guess what you're saying is they really can't be too IRA focused as long as you have a balance
2: Well, no, they may be too heavy in traditional pre-tax IRAs. But our question was, should I diversify outside of the IRA world into a taxable account where you can have capital gains and if you sell, you get the capital gain rates? So you have to look at these as three different baskets based on three different rates. The worst rates are the IRAs because that will come out eventually at ordinary income tax rates. Those are the highest rates. The next worst (laughs) is the taxable account. If you sell and you don't qualify for capital gain rates, you sell before a year, then you're back at the same ordinary rates. But if you hold on long-term for more than a year, you get the benefit of much lower capital gain, long-term capital gain rates. But there's legislation on the rise that may eliminate the step-up in basis and the capital gain benefit, although it's not supposed to, even if it's passed, affect people that, are, and this is all proposed, what I'm talking about, nobody knows what's going to be, but the proposal is not to affect anybody under 400000 of income, so they wouldn't be affected there, but still, even with capital gain rates, as low as they might be, they're not zero, which is what you would get in a Roth, you can't beat a zero percent rate. So to me, that's the holy grail if you can get money in a Roth, and you can only do that two ways, through your regular contributions, which you get no deduction for, or to start converting, which costs money per simple or... Our regular IRA, her and her husband, they both have, and they're kind of diversified between the two of them. They have, you know, they both have put a substantial amount in their Roths. But if they could put more each year and pay some tax at today's low rates, rates are relatively low, do a little each year, maybe a series of smaller annual conversions over time, because she said they had more money to put in these accounts. Maybe put that money into the taxes and moving the accounts to Roth IRAs, where now it will accelerate and compound tax-free. And tax-free money grows the fastest because it's never eroded by current or future taxes. That can lock in low rates for them for their retirement years. It can help avoid the extra tax on Social Security. It can help avoid Medicare surcharges. I know they're not there yet, but I'm thinking way in advance because she must be in their 40s because they said we're approaching... The age where we can do catch up, which is age 50.
1: Okay. One last piece of this question Is there ever a point where it makes sense to forego a match in order to put more money in a Roth?
2: Yes, uh, depending on what future tax rates are. Because if you put too much in a pre tax account, that's a bigger tax bill. Not now, but many actually now you get a bigger deduction. But it's a bigger tax bill later. See, for retirement, you have to think long-term. Later, in retirement, when the paychecks stop, the last thing you want to worry about is how much of a dent future, maybe higher taxes, will do to your standard of living in retirement. That becomes a non-issue if you have more money in a Roth. That's what you get for your money by paying tax up front, which nobody likes to do. Nobody likes to pay tax up front.
1: Right, but when we Talk about the match. We talk about, you know, this is free money you get, and and granted, they work for themselves, so that free money is actually their own money. It's not free money when it comes from your company. But is there any sort of shortcut or rubric that people could use to figure out? Okay, when does it make sense? What do tax rates have to go to in order for it to make sense to forego matching dollars?
2: Well, the tax rates now, she's probably in, I don't know, uh, let me see, maybe a 24% bracket, not even, more like 22% bracket. So that's a pretty low bracket. The match is always a pre-tax account. So again, you're getting a deduction. And and as you said perfectly, that's why when I saw the match, I said, but the match is your own pocket. It's not like an outside employer. So it's not free money. It's your money. So you're just putting more of it into a pre-tax account. Again, loading up a tax bill later on in retirement. You might be better off using that money in getting more money into a Roth I don't think it makes sense really to start loading up any more in their pre-tax accounts, even though they get a deduction now, but at a low bracket at a 22% rate. Remember, the lower the rates, the less valuable the tax deduction is. If you keep piling up money in traditional IRAs or simple IRAs, pre-tax money, at some point it's got to come out, like we said, And who knows what rates might be if they're under 50 now, I could see them being at very high rates at time of retirement. And then they might wish "Ah, I wish we had more of that in the Roth. Gotcha.
1: Okay. All right. Let's move on. Our next question comes to us from Stephanie. She writes, hi, amazing. Her money team first. Thanks so much for answering my question on the air during your IRA episode. It was very fun to hear it. It was about how to best save extra for retirement if I've already maxed my 401k and my current income prices me out of a Roth contribution as well as a tax deduction for a traditional IRA. A backdoor Roth was recommended. I'm still a bit confused about the backdoor Roth option because I have an existing traditional IRA. If I understand correctly, the pro rata rule could negatively impact me. Here's my understanding of how it would play out, and I'd welcome correction if I'm wrong. My existing traditional IRA has $97,000 in it, and I'm probably 12 to 15 years from retirement. I expect to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement than I am now. If I contributed a standard $7,000 to my traditional IRA this year, but in after-tax dollars, the account would have a balance of $104,000 with approximately 93% of that being pre-tax dollars and 7% being after-tax. My understanding of prorata is that if I convert that $7,000 to Roth, I have to pay income tax on 93% of $7,000 or $6,510. Is that a good idea? Additionally, an extra 6510 would be added to my adjusted gross income, which could potentially impact my son's financial aid package. Alternatively, if I put the $7,000 in a taxable brokerage account invested in a low turnover index fund with plans to leave it there until retirement at withdrawal, I would pay capital gains taxes on those earnings after 12 years. Is that correct? I'm struggling to understand which of these is a better option. So, Ed, what do you think? And can you just simply explain pro rata?
2: Right. All right. First of all, the first consideration is the financial aid. So right away, I would say that's the highest priority. You don't want to lose that overdoing a backdoor Roth conversion and having added income that might throw that off. So for that reason alone, I would hold off on that and go to the taxable account because that could be a bigger payoff, the financial aid, than anything she's talking about. So that's one thing. But for other people listening, the backdoor Roth is just another way to get money into a Roth when you don't qualify for a Roth IRA contribution, because your income's too high. So you could contribute to a non-deductible traditional IRA and then convert those monies to the Roth so you end up in the same place. But as Stephanie said, if you have other pre-tax IRA funds, you have to figure that into the mix. And that's the pro-rata rule. So in her case, she's correct. If she converts $7,000 and she did the calculation that 93% of her IRA balance is pre-tax, then she will pay tax on 93% of that $7,000 Roth conversion. It will be added to her income. And as she said, it could affect her financial aid. So for that alone, I would say don't do it this year.
1: Okay. Thanks, Ed. Our next question comes to us from Julia, and she writes... Hi, Her Money Team, big fan of the podcast. I'm the breadwinner and the financial manager of my family. Badass and proud of it. I'll get right to it. I started a new job, and one of the retirement benefits my employer offers is a Super Roth. What the heck is that, and why would I need one? My husband and I are maxed out on our 401k contributions. He does traditional, I do Roth, and we're getting close to the income limits for Roth IRA contributions. for couples filing jointly in 2021. Thank you. We are getting into all sorts of new terminology in this podcast, Ed.
2: Yeah, this is a term. I think what they mean is a super Roth. I've heard the term what we use. We use the mega Roth because everybody likes mega, but super is as good as mega, I think. I think what they're talking about is getting more money into their 401k. Now, this involves their 401k plan, which is not as easy as it sounds. People like to throw the word around, Mega Roth, Super Roth, where you could put, say, up to $58,000 in your 401k. So first, you have to have the disposable income to put that kind of money in. First, the employer would have to allow after-tax contributions to the 401k. So that's the first hurdle. Then the employer would have to allow in-service distribution. So you could put the big money in, like I said, for 2021 up to say 58,000, and then you can pull it out each year before it earns anything, move it to your Roth and have gigantic or super Roth IRA money coming into your Roth by moving from the 401k after tax to your Roth IRA. So the employer would have to allow it. They would have to allow in-service distributions in that after-tax account. They have to have the disposable income to do it with. And after all of that, it may not even work if the company, the employer, doesn't pass certain discrimination tests. It's meant to eliminate in certain companies, usually smaller companies, so I don't know what kind of company she's talking about, At a bigger company, you're probably okay. But if you have a smaller company, let's say a, a group of, I don't know, five doctors and a bunch of clerical staff. So you have to believe the five doctors have are what's called highly compensated employees, and their salaries are way higher than the clerical or administrative staff. So there it probably wouldn't work if they got all the advantages for themselves, if it wasn't as evenly distributed, if the employees weren't allowed to get the same proportionate benefits. So those are the discrimination rules. Smaller companies generally don't pass those tests because of the disparity in income from the executives or owners compared to the other employees. But a big company that has a wider pool of thousands of employees might more likely have that. So that's the mega backdoor Roth, really. But she calls it the super Roth. I think that's what she means.
1: I think so, too. I think so, too. Just while we're defining terms, what is an in-service distribution?
2: Oh, the ability to get your money out of a 401k before, say, 59 and a half. Most times the plans won't allow you to get that money out. I know it's your money, but it's in the plan and it's subject to the 401k plan rules. And most plans will say you really can't get to your money till 59 and a half or even later separation from service. But for the after tax account, which is a separate account, if the employer, the plan allows it. But there, there's no age limit you might be able to get if the employer allows it. Get that money out, say, at age 40 or any age before 59 and a half. So you could do this mega backdoor Roth and really pile up contributions to Roth IRAs way beyond the six or seven thousand, which she can't even do because she's over the income where she's approaching, I think she said, the income limits. So not only can you do it no matter how high your income is, but you can do way more than the six or seven thousand.
1: All that and so much more is available on Think Fast, Talk Smart. Listen every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.
0: Dive into the heart of crime with Foul Play Crime Series. Immerse yourself in the most perplexing cases where each twist and turn is more baffling than the last. With riveting storytelling and detailed analysis, Foul Play brings the unsolved and unexplained to life captivating your imagination. Listen to Foul Play Crime Series now, where every story is a puzzle waiting to be solved.
1: We are back talking with Ed Slott, CPA, author of The New Retirement Savings Time Bomb. We're tackling your questions on IRAs. This one comes from from Elizabeth. She writes, Hi, Jean and Ed. I am so glad you're back for another episode. I loved your advice earlier and bought your book. So thank you for coming on to educate all of us. I was hoping for some advice on my SEP IRA and where else I should look to save my money. I have a full-time job with a 401k that pays me around $140,000 annually. I max out my 401k. I also have a couple of lucrative consulting gigs that pay me around $15,000 annually. I'd like to put every single cent of my consulting gig income, it's ninety dollars income, into savings. I opened a SEP IRA to do this, but then this last tax year, I was only eligible to add a little more than $2,000 to the SEP, and I don't fully understand why. I think you can only contribute a certain portion of your 1099 earnings to a SEP. Anyway, it's clear that a SEP is not going to let me throw the full amount of my consulting gig income into it every year. So where should I put my money? Does it make sense to open another IRA or a different account of some kind? My consulting gig income for 2021 will probably be closer to 20000 Thank you so much. What do we say to
2: Elizabeth? All right, she's right. You're limited to a percentage, usually 20% of your compensation unless you're a corporation or have a, you put yourself on payrolls 25%, but it is a percentage. So that's why she sees such a small amount going in. It's not dollar for dollar. In other words, if you make $6,000 in your side gig, you can't put 6,000 in as you could with an IRA. But with the SEP, you're limited to a percentage of that 6000 so it would be less. So she can't get more than that SEP amount, which is going to be small even on 20000 She's already maxed out her 401k. So the only other option, which I'm not thrilled with, a non-deductible IRA. She can't do a deductible IRA because her income's too high. She can put money in an IRA, but she won't get a deduction. She could do the backdoor roth if she really wants to, but again, uh, she'd have to do a non-deductible IRA, which she can do for six or seven thousand. I don't remember. Did she say she was over fifty? She did not say. right, assuming she's 50 or over, she could do 7,000. If not, she could do 6,000 as a contribution to her own traditional non-deductible IRA, and then convert that to a Roth. But if she has other IRAs, the pro-rata rule comes back again, And part of that will be taxable. But that's the backdoor Roth I explained, combined with the pro rata rule, all these rules, to have the end result when the smoke clears, the 7 or 6,000 in her Roth IRA. So that's a little bit of uh, gymnastics going on there (laughs) to get there. So maybe she just wants to start and building in a taxable account, like a regular brokerage savings account, where she has the opportunity to gain capital gain rates if she holds on for more than a year. Assuming that these rates, I have to keep saying assuming because there's proposals out there to make the capital gain rates uh, higher after this year, I don't know if it will pass. And it's supposed to only affect people with over 400,000, but we don't know how this is going to play out. Just something to keep in mind if you're investing for capital gains. The one thing good about investing for capital gains is the lower long-term capital gain rates. And you only pay tax when you want to, when you sell. That's right.
1: That's right. It seems to me that Elizabeth's retirement assets are mostly in her 401k. If you've got your assets in a 401k and then you open an IRA to do a backdoor Roth, are you still subject to that pro rata rule?
2: Yeah, the IRA is always going to be subject to the pro-rata rule when you convert to a Roth. I don't know if she has other IRA funds. I don't remember if she said that. But the pro-rata rule is not based. This is a good question you asked because I think she got the impression that it was based on the balance in her 401k. It is not. It's isolated to the IRA. So let's assume she never even had an IRA. And this is her first IRA. And she says, you know what? I like the idea of it eventually ending up in a Roth. I'm going to do the 7,000 contribution to a non-deductible traditional IRA. It's the first one I ever had. I never had an IRA. So there were no other funds. There's still a pro rata rule, but it basically doesn't apply because there's no other money. So all 7,000 can be converted to the Roth tax-free. So that's the true backdoor Roth where it ends up in the Roth without any tax.
1: Perfect. Okay. That's, I think, what everybody is hoping for. We've got one last question. It comes from Jill and she writes, hygiene and team. In 2011, I changed jobs and I moved from a company that offered a 401k to one that doesn't. I rolled my 401k into an IRA and it's been there ever since with my contributing a few thousand dollars to it each year. Now I'm at a new company that offers a 401k again. Is it advised or even possible for me to roll my IRA into my new 401k or is that even a good idea? Essentially, I'm in my late 40s. I'm ready to get very, very serious about retirement planning and right now I am maxing out my 401k balance of around 200000 and my IRA has about 80000 in it. What moves should I make to ensure the best growth at this point I am not opposed to opening a new account if I need it. Thank you so much for your guidance and podcast. I listen every week.
2: This is a good question. So the tax law absolutely allows you to roll your IRA back to your company's 401k plan. But this is one of those areas where the tax law, and it's very unique to these IRA rules, where the tax law is actually more liberal than company plans own rules. So where I said the tax law allows you to roll the IRA back, we call it a reverse rollover to a a new company's 401k plan only if that plan allows they don't have to only if that plan allows rollovers in but assuming they do i don't know if that's a great idea unless you have a reason right now your money is in your ira putting it into your companies your new companies 401k doesn't get you higher contributions that would be based on your current contributions but it does make you subject to what may be more stringent 401k rules about getting the money out. Right now, you have total control in your IRA. You can do whatever you want with it, pretty much invest in all allowable investments in your IRA, maybe a larger menu choice than your 401k has, and you can take the money out whenever you want to. Even if you want to take it out before 59 and a half, yes, there could be a penalty, but you always have access to your money in your IRA. May not be the case with a 401k, but 401k has other advantages. The biggest single advantage might be the gold standard of creditor protection. If it's an ERISA, Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974, which gave creditor protection to 401k accounts, IRAs, have federal protection only in bankruptcy, but not Other judgments. For other judgments, you'd have to look to your own state law. For example, New York State is a great state for creditor protection. It creditor protects IRAs. So if that would be the reason and you're in New York, it's not an issue. You can leave it in your IRA. You have the full creditor protection. If you're in another state, you'll have to see what that state's rules are. If that's the reason, that's one of the reasons people kind of like having the money in the 401k. The other reasons people like having money in the 401k are usually bad reasons. Well, I shouldn't say for unfortunate events. They need money. You can get a loan from a plan. You can't borrow from an IRA. And I don't even think borrowing from your own 401k is a great idea because you have to pay it back. If you don't, it becomes a taxable distribution. If you need to get money early, if you retire in a plan at age 55 or later, you can actually get to your money without a 10% penalty. With an IRA, if you need to take it out, you have to wait till 59 and a half to avoid the 10% penalty. So there are advantages. I think if none of those things apply to you, then you're better off keeping your money under your control in your own IRA, and then continue with your new employer, maxing out the contributions.
1: And I would also just say, Ed, I mean, for some people, it's nice to be able to see everything on a single screen. And if that's what's driving you, then you can always roll that IRA into the firm that administers your 401k and then you'll be able to get one screenshot view.
2: Yeah, people like consolidation, but I think they also like control. You might get one screenshot view, but it's subject to the what may be rigid distribution options from a 401k.
1: No, I'm not saying to roll it into a 401k. I'm just saying move your IRA. To where? Well, let's say Fidelity's our sponsor. I've had a long history of 401ks with Fidelity in my working life, right? But let's say I had an IRA with some other firm and I now have a job and all of my stuff is being run at Fidelity because they have my employer's 401k. I could very easily move that IRA to Fidelity. And then when I go to the net benefits portal, my entire life view comes up and I can see it all.
2: I get it. I thought you meant to the plans, Fidelity 401k, and then you would be struck to the... So yeah, you could move the... uh, If you're with the same company, like Fidelity, for example, and you have Fidelity IRA and you have Fidelity 401k, yeah, you have one screen, but you still have total control over your IRA portion. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And you have so much knowledge, and so much information. We are totally grateful for you coming and spending time with us and helping our listeners and our community. Thank you so much.
2: Well, you have a great reputation because The fact that people are sharing all of these details with you, personal details that they wouldn't share probably sometimes with their spouse, they share with you. They, I have 612,000 here. I have this here. I mean, they're giving you their whole financial story. So uh, that means they have a lot of confidence. So it's nice to address real questions with real numbers and real people. Yeah,
1: I think so too. So thank you for doing this and thank everybody out there. Thank you for joining us today on money. I hope that you will check out the other episodes that we did with Ed Slot. That's episode 265, IRAs, everything you need to know, and our bonus mailbag number 26, the ultimate guide to IRAs. Thanks for to our listeners for writing in with your questions. And as Ed said, opening up about your lives and your financial situations. We are always standing by to take your thoughts, your questions, and your concerns at mailbag at hermoney.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review, we love hearing what you think. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. We record this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper, and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk soon.